It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Liveax Marine and Isle, SW Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine and Crosby, Freedom Firearms, Newman Construction, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Canvas Tech, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, SPR Mortar. Sports and Marine, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. we got a lot to cover as we get uh, now closer to fall. We talk a little more fall walleye fishing and some fall walleye tactics. In addition to that, we've got some hunting seasons that are opening up here real soon. We'll recap the bear opener this past weekend with Matt Brewer. Talk about next weekend's grouse opener. We've got early goose. Bow hunting opens up next week for deer, plus a whole lot more. And we talk a little lead core fishing on the show, plus another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we kick off the show with our local report, brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby. No matter if your goal is pike, trout, walleye, or bass, Oars and Mine gives you 10 different ways to get the bite. The next time you're in the Cuyuna area, Oars and Mine is a must-stop located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we kick the show off with our local report. We bring in Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. And Jason, uh, obviously all over the place this time of year, in addition to you know school stuff and uh, football and all this other stuff, Jason, you get a little fall fishing in as well. And I, I guess we'll start up on Leech. What are you hearing up there? Uh, you know, the bite's been, uh, you know, it's been up and down. Uh, a lot of it, just, you're right, this time of year is pretty common. I mean, it's still... Still kind of hanging around those summer patterns, but the water temps are going down. Um, you know, with the extended forecast here, I mean, I even saw high at like 60 next week. So, you know, as we continue to work our way into the fall here, those water temps are just keep creeping down. And, you know, some days it's like a light bulb, you know, I mean, it's going to start to go. And there's starting to be things that are showing fall patterns. Um, you know, a jig in the middle on some of the windier days is, is starting to work and is starting to produce some fish which is for many people kind of a sign that fall is coming. Uh, but, you know, most, most of the fish still are still related to summer structure. Um, you know, deeper break lines, you know, anywhere from, you know, 15 feet out to uh, 25 to 28 feet of water, depending on the day. Uh, we've had a lot of north-northwest winds lately, so really if I was going to run up to Leech right now, I would be focusing on some of those areas with all the north-northwest winds we've had of late and, uh, you know, focusing on some of those things. I've been still hearing of a decent crankbait bite out on the main lake, you know, pulling on the edges of the reefs, uh, pulling some lead core as well on calmer days out, out, out in the basins and off the deeper break lines. But it's going to slowly start to turn on on the main lake, that jigged minnow bite. You know, if you get out onto the flats as well as some of the, you know, areas around Pelican Island and, and whatnot, those are all going to start to kind of slowly heat up as those, those fish start to migrate back into those areas. I think what happens on leech a lot of times is, the fish migrate in the summer. They get out off of those pieces of structure. They kind of just go out no man's land, and then they just kind of move on and off, you know, during certain feeding, you know, feeding periods and such. And so I think that uh, as we get into more mid-September here and as those water temps really start to stabilize and get cool, you're going to see that a lot of those areas are really going to start to heat back up, and that's when people get all excited because the jig in the minnow bite and kind of going back to how you fish in the spring, you know, making drifts and working areas over and, and fishing for fish in anywhere from four to, you know, 10 feet of water when you get a good windy day. So, you know, they, it's maybe not quite there yet, but there are signs of, of those things starting to, uh, starting to show up, which, uh, is encouraging. 
and it sure seems like fall's coming quicker than normal. So maybe we'll have a little bit longer fall you know, window here, and which would be enjoyable for many people. You know, it's funny, you kind of answered my next question, but it is amazing to me, like you said, people going back to jigging a minnow now, how we just come full circle from where we start in the spring, Jason, to where, and then we come into all these different tactics throughout the summer, and then back to fall, it's right back to jigging a minnow again. It, that that just is amazing to me. It is. Everything does seem to come full circle, and you know, fall, you also, I mean, the jig in the middle thing is definitely the way to go to cover water, narrow things down. You know, the, and a lot of it has to do with just what the fish are eating this time of year is, you know, they start, their metabolism starting to speed up here a little bit again. They're, they're feeding here actively for the fall. They're kind of putting on, you know, the proverbial, you know, feed bag, as some people call it. Um, and they're just, you know, actively feeding here before winter. And so a lot of times that means perch and minnows. Uh, they're eating less bugs. Uh, so then your creature baits, like your, your leeches and your crawlers, um, you know, not saying you can't catch fish on them, but they're just not going to be nearly as effective. And so that's where having, you know, rainbows, fatheads, and then that's where the Lindy rigging comes into play with your, you know, your bigger chubs, like your creek chubs and your uh, red tails uh, and your sucker minnows comes into play because those fish are oftentimes feeding on those minnows. So uh, it definitely it's a fun one-two punch this time of year. I think, you know, it works well up there, even down here in this area. You know, kind of having the you know the jig in the middle bite going, uh, but then you know when you want to try to catch bigger fish, you know switching over to the you know the bigger minnow profiles, and uh, as well as you know the jigging wraps like we talked about, some of the more aggressive style baits uh, that you can both vertically jig as well as cast. Do you want to slow if you don't want to go that jig in a minnow route, Jason, and want to try something a little bit different? Do you want to slow your presentation down this time of year, and as we get further into fall, even more so? You know, a lot of it really just really depends on the day. I mean, you. I think the big thing when you are, you know, a jig in the middle is great because you can work speed so much. And and so, like, when you are having people in the boat, um, you know, figuring out, like, having one person, there's going to be some days, especially this time of year, we kind of get in that mid-September where just dragging the jig along the bottom, just kind of keeping it up off the bottom and swimming along catches the fish. Whereas other days, maybe get a little bit more wind and the fish are up, they're feeding more aggressive, snap jigging, um, you know, doing some of those things to, you know, create a more of an up and down profile in the water column, you know, with a deader, you know, a, you know, dying minnow of sorts, um, you know, in the falling down and so on. So really mixing up your, your jigging cadences can tell you a lot about the mood of the fish. And so the jigs are a great way to start as you get into the fall. And if the bite is a little bit tougher and you're not catching them by jigging and, and whatnot, but maybe you've caught a few dragging jigs. You can drag, you can have one person dragging the jig with a minnow and kind of swimming it along, and then you can have somebody with a lindy rig and them pulling a, you know, a minnow or uh, even a creature, you know, even a crawler can still catch fish in the fall. Um, and so, you know, slowing things down that way. And then also slip bobber fishing. I mean, I think that sometimes slip bobber fishing is something that catches fish year round. And, and being able to, if you can pinpoint areas where there's, you know, patches of weeds or isolated rock piles or boulders, um, where those fish are maybe tightly congregating near that area where you're maybe contacting those fish, but then once you hit them once, you're, you're far enough away from them again that they're not chasing the baits and they're not actively maybe moving out and schooling, then using like a, a slip bobber uh, or pitching a jig or you know casting something like a crankbait or something near them can be an effective way to get fish to come off those structures and bite as well. So, you know, it's, as much as we all want the jig in the middle thing to go, and it'd be great just to be able to hop in the boat and have your jigs all tied up and, and go that way, 
some days that's the way to go, but other days you still got to throw the kitchen sink at them, whether you're up on leech or you're down in this area as well. But it, de- it definitely, there definitely is the anticipation right now that the fall bite is slowly getting there. And it's, it's like getting a light switch will come on one day and it'll, and it'll really start to go. A couple other things, Jason, before we let you go. I know you talk to a lot of your students at school here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. I'm sure they're doing a lot of fishing too, and they're probably sharing some ideas with you and everything. I've heard that Gull, Round, North, Long, Pelican, they've all been doing pretty good here this last couple of weeks. Have you been hearing the same thing? I have been, yeah. I've been hearing a lot of I haven't had a chance to get out much but with school and football, but right now, I mean, you're. I've heard a lot of really good reports talking to you. Like I said, some of my students, some of the other guys in the area, fishermen that I know, neighbors, so on, and uh, it's very encouraging. They're starting to see a lot of the walleyes are starting to come out off onto the weed lines. Uh, you don't always catch them, but then you're marking them, which is great because you know they're setting themselves up here for that fall transition. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've heard some really good reports. Just guys out on Gall and um, you know North Long. Uh, we're just working windward, you know, areas where the wind had been blowing in, you know, shoreline breaks, uh, some of the bars and, and such that are out on the lakes, and just getting out a little bit deeper, out on the edges of those weed lines, and uh, driving around until you maybe see fish, mark them, and then kind of working them over. You know, once again, the Lindy Rake deal, the Jig and Wrap deal um, are going to be probably the most effective ways uh, to fish those. But, I mean, this is such a great area in the fall, and, I mean, it's great because, like I said last time, the you know, the, the boat traffic goes down, becomes a lot more fishermen on the lake. Uh, people can really, you know, fish spots effectively and, uh, and really enjoy it. I mean, it's, I, I've said before, I mean, Gull Lake, Pelican Lake, North Long are some of the just phenomenal fishing lakes. Um, in fall can be some of the best time to be within the area. So definitely it's, it's coming. It's just a matter of time. And I think, uh, the bite's only going to continue to improve. And I think it's actually going pretty good right now. Um, you know, considering the time of year and a lot of times this time of year can be kind of like that, uh, you know, Indian summer where, this kind of drags on, but we definitely seem to be stepping more into fall than we are summer right now. Last thing, Jason, before we wrap things up, uh, crappies. Uh, people are going after them or panfish. Uh, is that starting to pick up a little bit around here too? You know, I haven't heard a ton. Um, you know, I know it's still pretty much summer patterns for the most part. Uh, you know, in relation to, you know, weed lines, um, you know, them moving in and off the weed lines. Um, and definitely probably, you know, paying more close attention to those feeding periods. Um, you know, but I think a lot of times panfish go, they get overlooked and, um, you know, catching them throughout the summer, even for those matters. So, I mean, if you're going to go out and I look for good panfish right now or good crappies, I would definitely look for areas of isolated cabbage, uh, in weed beds. And I'd be working those areas over, uh, and then obviously looking at my map and, and starting to really look and pattern where those fish are going to go. And so finding those, those basins, um, you know, those holes, uh, within the lakes because those fish are going to say if they're not in the weeds they're going to continue to slowly migrate themselves out as the water temps cool and eventually as we get to that kind of that uh, that peak period they're going to be sitting either on the edge or in those areas um, staging for the winter so um, you know I, the crappie bite can get pretty good in the fall I haven't heard a ton but I think we're just a matter of time before it really starts to pick up. There you go. Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. You can check him out, leisureoutdooradventures.com, all over social media as well. I appreciate the time, buddy, as always. I know you're busy, and uh, we will check in next week. Sounds good. Thank you, Brian. All right. When we come back, we'll head up north for the Up North Report. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji will join us. We'll recap the bear season, talk a little bit about the upcoming grouse season, bow season, early goose, and some fall fishing as well. When we come back to Brainerd Outdoors and B93.3.
Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. We head north for the Up North Report. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji joins us. And Matt's been very busy uh, dealing with bear hunters uh, here this past week. And uh, how early season for bear the first couple of days, Matt? Sounds like pretty good for you, huh? Yeah, it was really good, actually. We uh, we had everybody everybody tag a bear opening night except for one hunter, and uh, that's kind of how things stayed. Um, we had one hunter who left camp without a bear, but they did have bear encounters. They had two different bears come in and circle but wouldn't come in wouldn't come into the bait or shooting lane and um but everybody else was able to fill their tags so it was a busy night i didn't get to bed until it was like 4 30 4 40 <laughs> um on opening night um or i should say the following morning so it was a it was a busy but really really good good year um a couple of really nice bears we had a, a big sow and that one really big boar probably the the largest one um, we've had since since I started doing the bear hunts. Uh, when my dad was doing it, we had some bigger ones, but um, but definitely the biggest one we've had in in the last probably fifteen to seventeen years. It was it was a tank. From what you told me off air, it's uh, five hundred plus. We didn't get an exact weight on it. Um, you know, we just tried to estimate by you know kind of trying to weigh everything separately. Uh, didn't have a scale that that went big enough so so it's kind of an estimate but but it's somewhere in that realm anyway really really big bear were all your hunters basically rifle hunting matters did anybody try anything exotic like with a bow or anything like nope, that everybody every everybody was rifle hunting this year uh, we usually have at least one bow hunter but um but this year it was all rifle yeah and it sounds like you know you kind of that the one thing you were a little nervous about uh, the acorns that you do have up there, you were worried about them dropping uh, right up uh, until the opener, and then that would have screwed up all your baits. But it looks like that didn't happen. Um, no, I think, uh, and and if they did drop, I think we had the bears locked in well enough that uh, that we didn't have to worry about it because they they still came into the the stations like they're supposed to. And um, I I'm still baiting just uh, in case that that other hunter does want to come back and. Baits are a little bit more sporadic now, um, with cool weather and the wind and, and everything. I think uh, you know acorns have started to fall, and the hazelnuts are are just prime, perfect for them to eat right now. So there's a lot of food in the woods and, uh, and a lot of options for the bears to go after. But opening opening weekend was good for hunters. Maybe Matt that are heading out even in our area and up by you that are listening, um, going into the second weekend now. What is the strategy going into that compared to what you would do opening weekend? Um, I would try to kill a bear <laughs> because uh, because once you get past uh, this coming weekend, then you're looking at uh, grouse opener and and you know, everything starts to open. Grouse, rabbits, squirrels, uh, everyone will be out pushing dogs through the woods, stuff like that, and it starts to get really difficult. Um, you can still do it if you're if you're back in far enough or off the beaten path far enough. You're you're probably going to be okay. But um, you know if you haven't got a bear yet or you got one that's nocturnal or coming in right after you get down or something like that, you can try a honey burn or something something with just a little extra gusto to try to get them to come in a little earlier. Um, we always talk about consistency and using the same bait and stuff like that. But when it comes to desperation time where you need something to change. Um, then we'll, we'll usually run a honey burn 
or we'll start to use anise extract and spray that up in the canopy. Um, something really pungent like that, uh, liquid smoke works really good. Um, any anything that'll that'll entice them to come in a little earlier, or if you're running a couple bait stations, take uh, take scat from one of the bait stations and move it over to the other station, and uh, they'll smell that and they'll think you know that they got competition and it might make them come in earlier too. And not to call anybody out or anything like that, Matt, but if we do have some rookie bear hunters out there uh, with bugs in the woods and stuff, don't get up in your stand and then spray yourself off with deep woods off because uh, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I, I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, our one hunter that didn't harvest, um, they sprayed bug, bug spray. And, uh, and bears are not used to bug spray um, sitting you know, sitting 15 feet above, above their bait. So, uh, so yeah, try to, try to keep everything kind of consistent and try to keep, um, your scent as low as possible. Bears always going to know you're there and they can smell better than anything on the planet. So they, uh, they're going to know that you're there. If you ever have a bear come in and you think, ha, I tricked him. He didn't smell me. It's not the case. They know you're there. They just, uh, they want food more than they care about you being in the stand so um let's switch gears from bear you mentioned grouse matt Uh, i have not had a chance yet this year to see what drumming counts look like or anything like that i'm sure you keep a close eye on that um what are you hearing i mean is is it going to be next weekend uh, pretty good yeah i mean it should be it's the kind of your typical opener um the woods are still pretty lush um you're going to deal with a lot of leaves and a lot of brush and um last year and the year before minnesota had some pretty aggressive logging um so there's a lot of you know aspen regrowth areas where the grouse and woodcock are really going to be hanging out but uh they're going to be hard areas to push because they're so dense um and then you know you just your typical 10 to 15 year old aspen regrowth where grouse like to hang out there's just a lot of leaves a lot of undergrowth it has been cool, uh, one of the coolest Augusts I can ever remember, um, but we but we still have plenty of leaves on the trees, and it's going to be a typical opener where, you know, you'll see some birds and hear some birds, but you're probably not going to get a ton of shooting, but uh, numbers are up. Uh, this this should be uh, the peak of the 10-year of the cycle. Um, it always peaks on the nines, so it should, should be good this year, and uh, the amount of birds I saw this spring is astronomical so um you know i i think for me it, it's going to be a pretty decent year as long as i can get out uh, time seems to be slipping away from me more and more the older i get so being able to get in the woods is going to be a little tougher but uh but hopefully i can get out quite a bit and, and knock down some birds next weekend's the bow opener as well matt uh coming off a pretty tough winter but i think the deer population did okay coming off of last winter i've seen quite a few out there what about up by you yeah if you went and drive or drove around right before dark and looked at some of the fields and and slashings and and stuff like that um and then i told you it was a really really bad winter you'd you'd never believe me because the amount of deer out there is is not is not hurting the population is not struggling at all there's there's bears everywhere so or deer everywhere. Sorry, still got bear on the mic. Right. See, <laughs> that's easy to have happen. But uh, yeah, that's so that's good to hear. Um, and I, I suppose before we wrap things up, we should talk a little fishing too, Matt. Um, we talked to Jason earlier in the show. 
He thinks we're pretty much right into the fall pattern right now, um, even though we're not quite into fall, even though Labor Day is in the rearview mirror. But would you agree with that up by you? It's kind of a lot of, a lot of fall pattern stuff now. Yeah, where the water temps are at. Um, and, you know, I had predicted an early turnover, and I, th- I still think that's going to happen. Um, yeah, there's a lot of climatologists that are saying we're supposed to have this really um, high temp September, and I just don't, I just don't see it. Uh, I'm outside in a in a hooded sweatshirt right now, and I'm still a little chilly. So um, I, I don't think September is going to be overly warm, and I I, I think turnover is going to happen. And I would say the fish are already well into fall pattern. Uh, crappies are already suspended over deeper water. Uh, walleyes have started to push deep, and uh, and they're kind of in their fall areas. So yeah. Whatever you do in the fall, I would start doing right now, and fishing's pretty darn good from what I hear. Um, haven't been out since before bear opener, but uh, but when I was out before bear opener, even I was seeing some fish out in those deep pockets um, that they like to hang out in the fall. So um, so I think we're there. You like cranks towards the end of the summer, Matt. Uh, as we get into fall, do you change things? I'll start to pull lead core. Um, so I'm still pulling crankbaits, but I'm just running them deeper. So, uh, a lot of these fish are hanging out in like, you know, 22 to 26 feet of water. You've got fish sitting right on the thermocline at 29 to 30 feet of water. So, um, I'll start doing a lot of that. I do try for the shallow fish first because there are still some fish up on the shallow, shallow rocks and sand and stuff like that. Um, but if I can't find them there, I'll, I'll go jig wrap out deep or I'll, um, or I'll start running lead core. So there you go. And as you said, too, even the crappies are going right now, too. So it's all kind of happening up there. Yeah, it's uh, the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> no doubt. And early goose, too. We should probably talk a little bit about that, too, because I did see some pictures on uh, Facebook. Uh, the Blazics, they were up there uh, goose hunting. No surprise there. Saw some great pictures from them. So it looks like uh, that's off to a running start, too. Yeah, early goose season is here, and we've got uh, crane season opening up pretty soon. So I've got uh, I've got duck and early goose and crane stamps secured for everybody and it's got to find time to go to go chase them around three weeks away from goose fest too yeah i uh just got a call from the director there asking if uh if i would like to be paired with uh you and jeff so <laughs> <laughs> if you guys are going to be there we uh we'll be hunting together i think that might work out we'll have to see how that goes so it's matt brewer north country guide service in bemidji you can check matt out northcountryguides.com and all over social media as well matt i appreciate it good stuff as always uh good luck out in the woods good luck out on the water uh, good luck out, out in the field and we'll talk to you soon buddy sounds good more of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And a special treat this week. I kind of stumbled across an article written by Joel Nelson with Joel Nelson Outdoors uh, talking a lot about lead core fishing. And I know we have a lot of listeners that have asked me, you know, what's that all about? It's not something I really do that much. So I thought maybe we'd get a little tutorial on it. And uh, Joel, once again, thanks for joining us here on Brainerd Outdoors. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, lead core is something I do a fair amount of. So it's a uh Topic near and dear to my heart as well. Absolutely. So we'll get into it here. But before we do that, Joel, maybe a little background on you for those that aren't familiar with you being you're new to the show. Um, you spent a lot of time down in southern Minnesota, but you also spent a lot of time up here in the northern part of the state. 
Yeah, yes, I do. I, I do travel quite a bit to fish. Uh, you know, I live in between t- the Twin Cities and Rochester, so traditionally I've, I've fished a lot of the areas around pools 2, 3, and 4 of the Mississippi River and a lot of south-central Minnesota lakes, but, uh, you know, definitely Minnesota's big walleye factories I've spent a good amount of time on, Lake of the Woods, and then certain fisheries, uh, you know, in the Dakotas as well as Wisconsin. So it's it's cool because lead core is something that uh, I've been able to do in a lot of different places, even for different species, and seems to work well in a lot of different locales. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's what I think would make for a very interesting topic this week. Because as you mentioned, a lot of those places that you fish, you can take those lead core tactics to places like Gull Lake and places like Mille Lacs and, and Winnie and Leech and have some success. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, I I think it's something that I do a fair amount whenever I see fish scattered. So, you know, if I see fish scattered and they're deep and they're harder to get to and I really want to cover water, it's it's really a bread-and-butter technique for July and August. So if those that are maybe you know, fairly new to fishing or, or just don't get out as much as they'd like to, when we say lead core, what are we talking about? You know, lead core uh, really centers around the line itself, which is just a uh, kind of a braided sheathed line. And inside of that braided uh, braided sheath, there is a single uh, core of lead. It's just a long piece of lead. And what that does is it uh, it's very simple. It sinks the line and puts the baits in the zone. And you know, it involves a little bit of specialized tackle, and that's the part I think that's scary to a lot of people, but it, it's really not that intimidating. The, you know, the first time you, you'll pull it out, it, it, it seems a little bit awkward. It doesn't come off the reel like a normal braid would. You're using larger baitcaster reels with line counters um, and some specialized rods to kind of handle the weight of both the line and, and the fish that you'll be reeling in and the weight of the crankbaits that you're pulling. But uh, once you get a lead core set up, and it's readily available in a lot of different retailers. They'll help you out. They'll they'll help pair everything up. Once you get it out and start dragging it around, you'll really start to realize that it's not all that complex. And is it fairly cost-effective? Yeah, I mean, it's something where uh, you can spend a lot of money on crankbaits and you can spend a a lot of time and effort trying to get down to fish in other ways. But once you have, uh, you know, a, a lead core set up, and you don't need to spend a ton of money. I mean, literally, you can spend under $100. I'd, I'd recommend getting two. So for under 200 bucks, you can take your existing lineup of crankbaits and really double, triple, quadruple the effectiveness because you, you know that you'll always be in the zone when fish start pushing past 15, maybe even 20 feet of water. The one place that I hear lead core being used the most here in the immediate Brainerd Lakes area, Joel, is Mille Lacs. And yeah. reason for that is it because those fish can become so scattered out there? Ab- absolutely. You know, uh, crankbaits are the name of the game. Whenever you've got a summer bite where fish are active, for the most part, right, their metabolism is up. They are willing to chase baits around. But they're scattered throughout either the water column, as they are in Mille Lacs, right? They can be suspended all over the place, or they can be near bottom. But either way, you've got to get the baits down to the fish and, and in their zone. So at the end of the day, there's not a lot of techniques that both cover water and then also get to depth as well as does lead core. And how do colors play in? Uh, you know, colors of the lures or colors of the line? Both, actually. Oh, that's, that's a good question. You know, uh, lead core, it's interesting. The line is multicolored. Every 10 yards, you'll see color change, and that helps you, even without a line counter, 
if you didn't have one, to indicate how much line you have back to try and recreate those sink rates. Let's say you catch a fish with five colors out. Well, you know that you need to go back to five colors if you're trolling the same depth along a break. Um, colors in response to the crankbaits uh, play a huge role, especially the Malax, like you talked about on bright sunny days, those chromes in the clear water, those those brighter colors that have a little bit of sheen off of them in UV as well can be super effective. And then in some of the darker stained or murkier waters, I, I like really bright colors, not 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 with the chrome, but, uh, you know, the fluorescent oranges and so on and so forth. So colors, and they can play a huge role. And as far as when you're trolling, I mean, does it, it compared to crankbait fishing, uh, Joel, do you want to maybe slow it down a little bit when you're with lead core, or does that not matter either? So lead core is, is an interesting, <laughs> it's unlike any other line you'll pull because there's going to be a big bow in it. That weight uh, creates a bow, and as you speed up, you can, you can actually change the, uh, the depth of dive, and if you slow down, you could change the depth of dive. Now, rather than give you general rules on what makes it go up or go down, I think really the simplest thing is for people to get out there drag it around, focus on keeping your boat at the same speed, maybe start at like 2.2 to 2.4 miles an hour, and let out line till you hit bottom. Um, then experiment. Speed up, slow down, see what it does. See, see if you're dragging into the bottom. Uh, there is nothing uh, better with lead core than that positive reinforcement of, oh, oh hey, I'm, I can see my rod tip's bouncing. I'm banging my bait on bottom. That, that, to me, is the best test and best way for people to get out there and really gain confidence in the technique. So a couple of other questions with you, Joel. Uh, once again, talking with Joel Nelson with Joel Nelson Outdoors, and we're talking the ins and outs of uh, lead core fishing. And I, I'm a relative rookie at this, Joel, so these may be silly questions, but I really kind of wanted to get do's and don'ts on structure. And a lot of different we, – we're dealing now here in Minnesota with lakes that are changing with invasive species like Cass Lake and even right here in our own backyard with the Gull Lake. They're becoming very clear now. Uh, some lakes this time of year, you start to get a little bit on the green side. With lead core, how does that affect whether you're fishing a lake that's, that's fairly clear compared to something a little murky? You know, when it, when it comes to lead core, uh, a lot of these fish are heading deep uh, regardless of the color of the lake, especially if it's clear, though. Those, those fish are, are heading to depth to, to you know, to, to seek out some solitude. Um, in some of the greener lakes, they're often heading to depth because of temperature gradients. So, so a lot of times, uh, depending on where you're fishing, you're going to be in excess of 25 feet of water. Once you get past that 35 foot of water, keep in mind, you've got to be careful. The fish that you're catching, if you are down that far, right on bottom, are probably going to die because of barotrauma. So keep that in mind as you're fishing and just just plan on keeping those fish, you know, don't don't try and release them and once you've reached a limit if that's what you're after, um just <laughs> make sure you're done for the day. So keep that in mind when any any time you're pulling the depths with lead core. Rock, sand, mud, uh does that does that matter at all either? To me not as much except for lead core is not a great technique around heavy rock, uh, rock piles, boulders, sharp, precise turns. That's not what this technique is all about. Yeah, unless you're a precision troller and you know exactly what depth that that bait is pulling with the right amount of line out and so on and so forth, it's pretty tough to recreate precision trolling runs. So the idea with lead core is you're looking for big, broad areas of similar depth 
a lot of times sand. Sometimes it's a big mud basin, and it's just going to be in 28 feet of water, and it stays 28 feet for a long run. Those are kind of money, kind of money lead core runs because you'll see fish on the graph; they're spread out, and you want to continue your troll for miles, preferably if you can, along these pods of fish. Um, if you see fish in, in tighter groups, in smaller schools, that may be a different technique, you know, like jigging wrapping on them or dropping jigs and minnows or, you know, any other kind of a more precision technique, even live bait rigging right on them, is going to be more productive than is lead core. Lead core for substrate, though, so often is sand and mud. And one last thing, Joel, for maybe somebody that's listening going, yeah, I want to try this lead core technique, and they're a relative rookie at it. What are some of the biggest mistakes that anglers make with lead core? I think some of the biggest mistakes are um, when they're letting line out. If you let it out too fast, you're going you're gonna to make a, a jumbled knot. Um, if you're not careful of the spread of your rods and making sure that your turns aren't, uh, you know, if you, if you start making sharp turns, you can tangle it. Lead core, when it tangles, is an absolute mess. So you want to avoid your, boi- your, your baits bouncing off of bottom too much. Just ticking the bottom occasionally is okay. But if your baits are dragging and banging, they can start to roll, and they can actually roll into the other lead core setup. And uh, I have seen some haystacks of, <laughs> of lead core line, and it's it's not the cheapest stuff in the world. So you want to make sure and take care of your lead core. Keep your baits running just above bottom. Watch for those baits banging off bottom, and just, just treat it a little more carefully. You have to be uh, a little more purposeful with the way you let out line and how you reel it in and, and all that good stuff to make sure that uh, one spool of line will, will last you for years. There you go. That's Joel Nelson uh, with Joel Nelson Outdoors. Joel, if people want more information on you, how can they find it? Well, they can always go to my website, uh, joelnelsonoutdoors.com. Uh, I've got an Ask Me Anything section there. If uh, you've got a question, uh, I'd love to highlight it uh, and answer it uh, for you and everybody else. Chances are if you've got a question, uh a lot of other people do too, and sometimes I, I don't know everything by any means, so I have to research it too. So uh, drop me a line there, and uh, we can learn together. It's pretty good cool videos on there too. As a matter of fact, I learned that Joel's also an avid turkey hunter like myself, so you <laughs> catch on some pretty cool stuff there too. Topics for another day because, man, that turkey thing, that's addictive. <laughs> yeah, so you and I come spring, we're going to have to talk again, that's for sure. I like it. That, that sounds great. That's Joel Nelson, Joel Nelson Outdoors. Joel, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Great to have you on the show this week, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking here down the line, okay? Yeah, thanks so much, and good luck fishing. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Time for our Hungry Hunter segment slash famous fisherman, and as always, great outdoor recipes brought to us by Chef Joel at Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. Joel, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Brian. And uh, we got this one when you said, we got to do this, my mouth started watering right away. Walleye scampi. This sounds fantastic. Well, it's a pretty uh, simple recipe. Well, in my opinion, it's a fairly simple recipe. I don't know. Uh, what is, we're just going to take some walleye fillets. We're going to take down a little bit of melted butter. And uh, fill that in a little pan, throw our walleye fillets on top, season it up, salt and pepper, and then we're going to throw a little paprika on top. doesn't add a whole lot of flavor, but it gives us a nice little bit of color, brightens it up a little bit. We're going to toss those into the oven. You know, depending on the size of your fillets, it's not going to take you know too long in about a 350 oven. You're looking at, you know, six, seven minutes, eight minutes tops. So as we get those cooking, we're going to start making our scampi sauce. We're going to take a quarter cup of butter, 
throw in some minced shallots and some garlic, kind of let that cook down, sweat a little bit. Once the uh, garlic and shallots are kind of fragrant, we're going to hit it with a little bit of white wine, let that cook down, let that reduce a little by half, add a little fresh lemon juice, and then we're going to add the rest of our butter and turn off the heat and let that butter just kind of melt in and swirl it as that melts in. And we can top our walleye fillets with the scampi sauce and have a delicious meal. Fantastic. So it's very similar to a shrimp scampi type of very, thing. Very, very similar. Just yep. threw, a, threw a walleye in there instead. Well, why not? So if you want to give it a try, head to our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. You can click on the recipes tab, this one, and a ton of others for you to check out. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon with walleye scampi this week. Joel, I appreciate it, <laughs> and we'll talk to you soon. Ah, thank you, Brian. All right, that'll wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. Some other ways you can check out the show. You can stream it live if you're out of town or away from your radio. Just go to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com to stream the show. You can also listen to it on demand there, and we are all over the podcast networks. I know a lot of you are downloading the podcast. We appreciate that. Uh, subscribe to us. Give us a nice rate and review wherever you download podcasts, whether it's Podcast One, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Just search Brainerd Outdoors and uh, give us a download, and uh, we really appreciate that as well. We will see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. Have a great weekend. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thieland Meats, Tractor Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Liveax Marine in Isle, S&W Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Freedom Firearms, Newman Construction, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Canvas Tech, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, SPR Motorsports and Marine, and by Rag your truck accessory pros join brian moon saturday mornings at seven sunday evenings at seven and monday mornings at five right here on b93.3